Hear now the word of our Lord. Um, our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis, the 28th chapter, uh, beginning with uh, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um... I had a great time writing this sermon this week, um, not just because of the passage. It's a great passage, but it's because um, I had a great uh, locale to write again. Um, I was writing in a camp, um, uh, more specifically on the porch of the lodge on top of the hill overlooking the whole camp property. So I was sitting there in a rocking chair, and uh, in the distance I could hear children splashing in the pool, and um, I could see the mountains and the, uh, the new river. And it was just a perfect place to just sit and dig into God's word. And so uh, when I was reading this scripture this morning, there was one part that I was having trouble understanding. It wasn't the ladder uh, that Jesus sees, that uh, Jesus, um, Jacob sees. It wasn't the stairway. It wasn't the angels ascending and descending. It wasn't even that he saw God face to face. That wasn't the part I was having trouble with. The part I was having trouble with that I couldn't wrap my head around uh, was way back in verse 11. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. That's the part that really bothered me. He used a rock for a pillow? Like, that makes no sense to me. What is this guy, Chuck Norris? He uses a rock for a pillow. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, in my rocking chair at camp, and I'm trying to figure this out. Like, 
who uses a rock for a pillow? Um, maybe it's because I'm not really the rugged outdoors type, you know? Um, I have uh, friends that are in their 20s, and they go rock climbing all the time. And after an intense day of rock climbing, you know, they complain that, oh, their necks and their backs are sore. You know what makes my neck sore? Is if I don't sleep with two pillows at night. If I just sleep with one pillow at night, I'll wake up and my neck will be sore, right? So the idea of using a rock for a pillow just uh, just doesn't sink with me. Um, so I was uh, I was sitting there on the lodge in my rocking chair, and I was uh, I was like looking up the history of pillows. I was googling like were rock pillows a thing, and I couldn't find anything about uh, ancient Mesopotamian rock pillows. Um, and so I decided to do a word study. Maybe, like, the, uh, the Hebrew word for stone here is something different. Maybe it's something soft, like shale or, or a pile of gravel or sand or something. And so I looked up the Hebrew word for stone in this passage. It's really fascinating. You want to hear it? The Hebrew word for stone is eben. And eben means stone, right? <laughs> so uh, no help there. So... I'm sitting here obsessing over this. I'm like, uh, I'm on the Wikipedia page for pillow. And I just ask out loud, who uses a rock for a pillow? Have you ever used a rock for a pillow? And uh, Michael Snow, the director at Camp Dickinson, just happened to be uh, sitting on a rocking chair um, several, uh, several chairs down. And he said, Actually, Danny, I've used a rock for a pillow before. Do tell. So he tells me about uh, this. He tells me about this night. He said it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, he was out hiking and he was looking for a place to stop. And uh, he comes to this big clearing. And uh, and he said, Danny, it was like um, it, the night was so clear. Um, you looked up into the sky and you thought you saw every star in the universe. And, and he said, I found this, like, this giant um, slab of rock and I just laid up against it and it fit the curve of my back perfectly. There was this little spot that was raised just enough to support my neck and I laid on that rock all night, Danny. And he said, it was one of those nights that you were almost afraid to close your eyes because there were, there were meteorites shooting stars of every shape, and, uh, and, and, and there were satellites. And he said, you know, when I finally did sleep, it was the best sleep of my life. So there you have it. Rock pillows are a thing, I guess. If it's good enough for Michael Snow, it's good enough for me. I wonder if Jacob was having a night like that. You know, he's fleeing from his brother Esau. He's, uh, he's stolen Esau's blessing that's rightfully his. And, uh, and Esau gets angry about that, and so Jacob is on the run, and he's looking for a place to stop for the night. And I'll bet it was a night just like that. He found the perfect rock that fit him. And, uh, and the night was clear, and there was a billion stars in the sky. He probably had the best sleep of his life. So what do you dream about when you're sleeping on a stone pillow? Jacob had kind of a weird dream. 
right? This dream with this staircase and the angels going up and down it and, uh, and Gog at the t- top of the staircase speaking to him. It's kind of a hard dream to figure out. But I think to understand Jacob's dream, we need to know something about ziggurats. All right, this is your cue, Savannah. So I had Nora Grace, who's the Argus in the family, draw me a picture of a ziggurat. All right? So, um, so this is a Mesopotamian ziggurat, okay? And um, during the time of Jacob and Abraham, um, these bad boys were all over the place. Okay? Every major city had a ziggurat. Really large cities might have two or three. Hold it up, hold it up. All right. And so um, each, uh, each ziggurat would be dedicated to a different god, one of the gods of the city. And um, one of the mysteries of the ancient world is, is sort of what these ziggurats were for, what they were all about. Some people used to think that the ziggurats were tombs, like, like the pyramids of ancient Egypt. And they do look a lot like pyramids, except um, pyramids have rooms in them. Lots of rooms, you know, um, winding complexes of rooms that you expect to see Harrison Ford being chased by a giant boulder in, right? Those kinds of rooms. Ziggurats don't have any rooms. Um, ziggurats are totally filled with dirt. They do these, uh, do these sort of rings of mud brick, and then they fill the whole structure in with dirt, and then they, uh, then they do um, uh, oven-fired brick on the outside. And so there are no rooms in the ziggurat. It's not a tomb. It's not a temple either. Um, that, that was one early theory. Maybe the ziggurats were temples. Well, um, the way we know ziggurats were te- weren't temples is that most ziggurats in the ancient world that we found have temples right next door. Right? And so why would you need two temples? Right? There's always the ziggurat here, and then Laura Grace helped me. She probably didn't know. There's like a temple over here, right, where people are worshiping. In fact, most of the ancient literature says common people weren't even allowed, allowed to touch the ziggurat, right? Only the priests could go up and down the stairs of the ziggurat. So what were they for? That's one of the uh, mysteries of the ancient world. Well, archaeologists today think they know what the ziggurat were for. Um, the hint is in their names, right? They're not named things like the tomb of Hammurabi, or the Temple of Baal. Um, The ziggurat in Babylon has the name, um, the foundation of heaven and earth. The ziggurat in a place called Larsa has the name, the link between heaven and earth. And get this, the ziggurat in a place called Sifr, the name is the stairway to pure heaven. You see, ziggurats in the ancient world existed to be a stairway between earth and heaven. The people in the ancient world believed that the gods used the stairway to go back and forth between earth and heaven. In fact, on top of the ziggurat, there's this, there's this little room, this tiny shrine. And if you were to go into this room, what you would find would be a made bed, a table with food on it, and an idol a stone idol. And the belief was that this is where the God lived up in heaven 
and he used the stairway to go back and forth between the temple next door and then back into heaven. Of course, the stone, God's not getting anywhere by himself. He's got a man in a funny robe, a priest walking back and forth those steps, uh, taking him from the little shelter uh, to the temple. But that's what people believed that these ziggurats were, the, that they were the portal between earth and heaven. All right, thank you, Savannah. Why does this matter? Why am I telling you about this? I know you didn't come here for, like, History Channel's Ancient Mysteries. Um, Jacob's dream was almost certainly a vision of the temple that would one day stand at Bethel. Jacob's dream was of the temple that would stand at Bethel. You see, Bethel, the, uh, the, 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 what that word means, Bethel, is house of God. So when Jacob says, this will be the house of God, he's naming this place, Bethel, house of God. This is where a temple would one day stand. The word place is used six times in this story. The word place. Um, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. The word place is a Hebrew word, makam, uh, which is used for regular places, but it's also used for holy places, like shrine places. And so we have all these clues in the story that we're talking about a holy place. We're talking about the house of God. We're talking about a place where people would one day worship. Only this holy place... It's not a man-made ziggurat. It's not a man-made staircase, but a heavenly staircase. And there aren't priests walking up and down the steps. There are angels. And there's not a stone statue at the top of this staircase. There's the living God. Not only did Jacob dream of a place of worship, he dreamed something almost unthinkable to a wandering nomad. Something unthinkable to a stranger in the temple of a foreign god. He dreamed of a promise. A promise that far from worshiping some foreign stone god atop this staircase, he was worshiping the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And that instead of a a, a foreign temple that he would be a stranger in, This God promises, I will give you the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the east and to the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. This temple is going to be yours. It's going to belong to you. Right? Not someone else. Imagine being a nomad. Every time you go to a temple, it's someone else's temple. Right? And someone else's God. But this is going to be a place where you worship the God of your fathers. You see, God's dream for Bethel becomes Jacob's dream for Bethel. God's dream for Bethel becomes Jacob's dream for Bethel. Jacob is sleeping on a stone pillow. He's having the best sleep of his life. And God shows him his vision for this temple. 
And Jacob responds by saying, The Lord will be my God, and this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. God's dream for Bethel becomes Jacob's dream for Bethel. Bethel would become a place of worship. See, this tiny town, Bethel, 11 miles north of Jerusalem, is so small, and yet, it is, uh, aside from Jerusalem, is the most mentioned place in the Old Testament. It's the site of an important temple of God and of an active prophetic school. In 2 Kings, um, it's the prophets of Bethel who tell Elisha that Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven by a fiery chariot. In Judges 20, um, all the tribes of Israel uh, uh, rise up against the tribe of Benjamin because they're doing what is wrong in the sight of the Lord. And so they go up to Bethel to ask God who should be in charge of, of this coalition. And God responds to them, let Judah go first into battle. Bethel was a place where many of the heroes of the Bible went to make vows directly to God. Bethel was a place where people could go experience God directly without all the pomp and pageantry of the Jerusalem temple. It's a place you could go on retreat. It's a lot like camp, you know. Go up to Bethel and you can really connect with God there. But all of this started as a dream one night by a man sleeping on a stone pillow. See, when God's dreams become our dreams, amazing things happen. Um... Whenever I read this passage about Jacob and the ladder and the dream of uh, the temple at Bethel, I'm reminded of something that happened um, three years ago um, on one of my first trips to El Salvador. Um, we were doing vacation Bible school in um, a little neighborhood in Awachapong called La Gloria. See, Awachapong is a town that's basically on the top of a mountain. And... Um, and that's really great because El Salvador is a hot country and the top of a mountain is a cool place, right? And so, um, and so that's probably why they put that town up there because everyone likes, likes the coolness of it. But the uh, neighborhood of, of, uh, of, of La Gloria um, is, uh, is down the side of the mountain. It's in what we from Kentucky would call a holler. Do you all have hollers? Yeah. All right, so it's, it's in a holler. It's sort of like carved out into the side of the mountain. There's only one road in, and it's the same road out, right? And La Gloria is a hot place, right, because it's down the side of the mountain. And uh, we were having vacation Bible school on, on the, the front porch of, of a, a family in the church's house. Right, and so on the front porch, uh, these kids would come every morning, and we'd have vacation Bible school there, uh, in this little uh, neighborhood called La Gloria. Now, um, La Gloria, you probably don't need me to tell you this, but it's Spanish for glory, right? And um, it's funny. Uh, the first morning we were there, we met um, we met the pastor of the church, which was La Gloria Methodist in La Gloria, and. Uh, and she introduced herself, and her name was Gloria, 
right? And so she said, my name's Pastor Gloria. Um, this church is La Gloria. Uh, this neighborhood is La Gloria. Uh, but the glory goes to God, right? Uh, that's what she told us. And um, she asked me, do you want to see the church? And she was really excited to show me the church. And um, my first thought was, wait a minute. If there's a church, why are we doing BBS on the front porch of this house, right? Why aren't we doing it in the church? But I didn't say that. I said, sure, I'd love to see the church. Well, she takes me down this uh, little dirt path, and, uh, and we go out into this clearing, and instantly it hits me why this place is called La Gloria. Because as soon as I hit this, this clearing, there's, uh, there's this little babbling brook, there's this meadow, there are all these exotic flowers, and I'm not kidding, there's like um, maybe uh, 30 butterflies of different colors, you know, just, uh, just fluttering about, I guess, yeah. Um, I was about to say swarming, but butterflies don't swarm. <laughs> Anyways, so the butterflies are fluttering about, and like, wow, this place is glorious. And uh, so we're in that we're in that little meadow, and then she takes me um, over to just a um, probably actually probably about the size of this room, this dirt plot. There's no building there. It's just this dirt plot. And she says, "This is the church." And then I realize this is going to be the church, right? Right now it's a dirt plot. And she's taking me around the dirt plot, and she's showing me where everything's going to be. Like the sanctuary is going to be over here, and then there's going to be a room over uh, here um, where uh, where we do Sunday school for the kids, and then there's going to be a room over here where we fix meals for them. She was telling me, um, and there aren't a lot of two-story tall buildings in El Salvador, but this building was going to be two stories tall, and she she was telling me all about what was going to be on the second floor. You know, as she began to describe it. And she was describing it in Spanish. She was through an interpreter, right? But as she began to describe it, I began to see it around me, right? I realized that I was standing in a church. You know, I think about this story because God's dream for La Gloria was Gloria's dream for La Gloria, right? She saw what God was going to do. And every year that we've come back, to El Salvador, we've been working on that church. We've been putting up a wall here, putting up a wall there, and in a couple years, it's going to be there, and I'm going to be able to tell this story and say, and now a church stands there. But right now it's unfinished. Right now we're working on it. We're working towards that dream. Here's what I want you to get from all this. God has a dream for Fairview. God has a dream for this church. God has a dream for the things that we're going to do here. And we need to let that dream become our dream. We need to let that dream become our dream. Okay? So this is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to give you homework. Okay, and then we're going to come back next week, and uh, we're going to look at this verse again. All right, uh, we're going to look at this passage again. But this is a two-parter. What I want you to do this week, um, during our last song, 
during our last song, um, Savannah is going to come around and offer you a stone, okay? Now, what I want you to do with this stone this week is I want you to keep it with you, okay? If you're a symbolic kind of guy like me, you may even want to put it under your pillow, right? And be like Jacob, dreaming on that stone pillow, okay? I want you to keep this stone with you. Maybe put it in your pocket, and when you reach into your pocket and you accidentally uh, feel this stone, you'll remember to do what I'm asking you to do. This week, I want us to be thinking and praying about what God's dream is for this church. Because next week, we're all going to share, right? Um, I know this is a real reserve group, and we don't like to share. Um, I'll, uh, I'll let you in on a secret. I'm kind of an introvert myself. But, uh, but next week, I want us all to share what we think God's dream is for this church. Because as a church, we need to start working towards that dream. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But for right now, I just want us to take these stones with us. Um, Savannah will, will, uh, um, will, will bring the thing to you, and then you can pick the one that, that looks like the best stone for you. All right? And I want you to take it with, with you. And every time you look at it this week and think about it this week, I want you to ask God, show me your dream for Fairview United Methodist Church. Okay? Be in prayer this week for God's dream for Fairview United Methodist Church. What does God want to see when you walk through the doors here? What does God want to see Fairview doing out in in the community? Start praying about God's dream for Fairview United Methodist Church. And, And next Sunday, bring your stones with you. Okay? And, uh, and we'll do something special with them. All right? Now let's sing together um, our closing hymn. And up, this week I just picked all my favorites. Um, but, uh, but, oh, God, our helping ages past. It seems like I'm the only one that knows this hymn. Um, but just, if nothing else, listen to the words. It's just a beautiful song. So, um, uh, 117, oh, God, our helping ages past. Is that a